we struggle to, to think about the Holy Spirit in our lives and kind of how we can incorporate him more uh, into our uh, spirituality. So I'm going to start with a prayer to the Holy Spirit that my mom actually taught me and that I said actually every single time before I took a med school test. Uh, so, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful and kindle within them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray, O God, who stop the hearts of the faithful. By the light of the Holy Spirit, grant daily the gift of the same spirit. We may be truly wise and ever rejoice in this consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. So I was going to start out with the uh, jump around here from different things. So I'm going to start with the uh, from the catechism uh, point... 687 on the um, the catechism here. Pull it up. Okay. So, it starts off by saying, No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now God's Spirit, who reveals God, makes known to us Christ, His Word, His living utterance, but the Spirit does not speak of Himself. The Spirit who has spoken through the prophets makes us hear the Father's word, but we do not hear the Spirit himself. We know him only in the movement by which he reveals the word to us and disposes us to welcome him in faith. The Spirit of truth who unveils Christ to us will not speak on his own. Such properly divine self-effacement explains why the world cannot receive him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. All those who believe in Christ know the Spirit because he dwells with them. So... You guys probably have had uh, a little bit of theology background and thought about, you know, the, the Blessed Trinity. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, any thoughts on kind of how the Blessed Trinity relates to itself and us? Um, well, I've been described the Holy Spirit as just the love between the Father and the Son. Mm-hmm. And the love between the Father and the Son and us. Christ and uh, Father. Yeah. So, yeah, and there's different ones. Um, Augustine tried to spend time figuring out and breaking down the Holy Spirit, and then he met this boy on the beach and who kept on digging up sand, and the water kept on washing the sand back in, and he, kept, he asked him, like, why do you keep on digging the hole? And the boy turned to him and said, why do you keep on trying to figure out the Holy Trinity? <laughs> and it was really an angel trying to explain to him how silly it was to figure it out. So that's true. We're never going to obviously grasp the fullness of the Trinity. But um, uh, the, that is a, an apt description of one probably Augustine and Aquinas ascribed to, the idea that you have the Father who is intimate, uh, infinite goodness, and out of him comes infinite goodness, the Son, who is eternally begotten, and then the love between the Father and Son, which itself is, again, infinite goodness, which is the Holy Spirit. Um, I was thinking about in a, a way also kind of how we can relate God's action in the world. So the Father would be like the giver, like the one who gives us all that is good. And that's how Jesus describes, you know, everything that we have ultimately comes from God the Father, right? And Christ himself would be kind of like the gift, okay? So the Father sent his Son into the world, not so that it be condemned, but it might have eternal life. And then the Spirit would be kind of like your instruction manual, okay? So it's like, here's the gift, here's Christ. How do we have Christ present in the world? And the Holy Spirit would be kind of like that instruction manual. Another way I've seen it is like, the Father is the one who speaks, the Son is the one 
is the word that is spoken, and then the Holy Spirit is the interpreter. So the one who interprets the word for us. Um, and Jesus uh, talks about this idea of taking what is his and being given to us through the Spirit. He says in the Gospel of John, He, the Spirit of truth, will glorify me, for he'll take what is mine and declare it to you. Okay. And then later on in John 14, um, starting in verse 26 here, he says... She says, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit that the Father will send in my name, he will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. So, basically, the Spirit is is the one who takes what is Christ's uh, and communicates that to us, reminds that to us, teaches us those things, and basically takes the gifts that were in Christ and makes them known to us. And so... Um, there's a lot of analogies of things in uh, Scripture about what the Spirit is. One being, for instance, uh, water. Okay, so in John 7, um, verse 37, Jesus says, um, uh, Let anyone who thirsts come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture says, rivers of living water will flow within him. He said this in reference to the Spirit that those who came to believe in him were to receive. Okay. And so he uses, uh, John uses that image of thirst and stuff like that. So, for instance, the Samaritan woman, he's like, if you had asked me, I would give you living waters and stuff like that. Um, and then the analogy with baptism with Nicodemus, talking about being reborn in the water and the Spirit. And so this idea that water. Uh, brings uh, new life within us, okay? And it's the life of Christ specifically. So, you know, the virtues of Christ, how Christ lives, uh, the strength and power within Christ to be obedient and do the Father's will is present there. Another uh, uh, analogy is the fire, okay? So um, we get, for instance, John the Baptist, to saying, you know, the one who's coming after me is my dear me. He'll baptize you with water and the Holy Spirit, or Christ Himself talking about, I wish to, you know, send fire upon the earth, and how I wish it were already ablaze. Okay, and then the fulfillment, of course, of that fire is in the Pentecost, right, when the tongues of fire descend on the Holy Spirit or on the disciples, and so you have this kind of transforming energy. Okay, the power of God transforming us. Okay, and if you think about the acts of the apostles and everything they're doing, right, you see that transforming energy. You know what what the what uh, is going on. You know how you take Peter, who denied Christ three times, goes to now proclaiming him in you know getting flogged and walking around and ultimately you know going to his death. Um, okay, and then a, a third analogy is kind of like a breath of life. So. Uh, again, from um, uh, John chapter 6, Christ says, It is the Spirit that gives life, or actually the term is quickened, so that old analogy of like when life comes to the wounds, when you first time feel the baby, um, while the flesh is of no avail. And then later on, you remember him in John's Gospels breathing on the apostles and say, Receive the Holy Spirit. And then they were given 
the uh, power to forgive sins. So that breath of life that you first hear about in Genesis when God breathes life into the nostrils of Adam and Adam comes alive. And, um, and so we have this, these images of, you know, uh, of the Holy Spirit um, acting in uh, the church. Um, and one, one image that I like to is kind of like how Christ sums it up at the end of Luke's gospel. Um, when he says, you know, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. So again, that idea of power from the Holy Spirit coming back. And that harkens back to, you know, the message from Gabriel to Mary, you know, like the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will I'll overshadow you. Um, and um, so this this is kind of like the power of the Father and the power of the Son now dwelling in us, you know, and as um, St. Paul reminds us that we're the temples of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is within us. So you have the infinite God, you know, uh, present within the finite you. I mean, that's kind of crazy if you actually spend time dwelling about it. Like, the infinite God who made this whole universe can at the same time dwell in my soul, and I can be a temple of that. And a temple, as we know, is the place of worship, is a place of offering to God thanksgiving and praise. And so within myself, you know, we have that spirit that allows us to. And I'll get into that later. Um, obviously, in um, uh, in Paul's letter to the Romans, he talks specifically about uh, the Holy Spirit uh, being a point for allowing us to pray or pray and interact with God. You know, he even says like, no one without the Spirit can say Christ is the Messiah or or God is our Father, right? Um, and in the Catechism. Um, they use another uh, analogy, kind of dovetailing off John's like vine and branches analogy, um, when uh, they talk about kind of the Holy Spirit um, interacting with us. And so, sorry, this is kind of they're talking about in, uh, focusing on the Holy Spirit in the liturgy, but it says. The Holy Spirit is like the sap of the Father's vine, which bears fruit on its branches. The most intimate cooperation of the Holy Spirit in the Church is achieved in the liturgy, and the Spirit, who is the Spirit of Communion, abides indefectibly in the Church. For this reason, the Church is a great sacrament, meaning sign, of divine communion, which gathers God's scattered children together. Communion with the Holy Trinity and fraternal communion are inseparable, the fruit of the liturgy. And then it goes on to say... The church therefore asked the Father to send the Holy Spirit to make the lives of the faithful a living sacrifice to God by their spiritual transformation into the image of Christ. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is the one that kind of transforms us in the, uh, you know, image of Christ. And and I um, think of, you know, you think about when the priest calls down the Holy Spirit at Mass, right? And he's putting his hands down, you know, over for the consecration. And you have this kind of moment where he's calling on the Holy Spirit. Oh, I am overhearing a conversation about the Holy Spirit. Okay. Uh, I'm Tom Jensen. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Are you... 
who are you with? Or? I'm, um, I work at the Barbara Davis Center. Oh, okay. Prior to this, I um, was a student and also working at the University of California, Berkeley. Oh, neat. But a lot of like what I looked into was, again, this topic of God, suffering, existence, and Holy Spirit. Oh, okay. It was all a part of that. Okay. So, um, yeah, so we're actually just a small group. Uh, I work through the Catholic Medical Association student group on campus. And so I I'm help kind of run sometimes just every couple of weeks just reflections on different things like virtues and stuff like that. So we're talking about just the Holy Spirit active in our hearts today. So if you want to, you're more than welcome to join us. Um, if, if like 10, 5, 10 minutes, but like I was okay. overhearing. Oh, no, if you want to join in. So, um, yeah, we are just talking about the idea of the Holy Spirit is the one who transforms us. And I was talking about, I don't, are you, what uh, Christian background are you? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm saying which which denomination. If you I'm have. charismatic. So oh, I, charismatic. Okay. So we're. I was just like, Holy Spirit. Um, oh, okay. This is, yeah. So so, so we're particularly talking about. Literally grow out of people. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, we're just talking about the mass. I don't know how familiar you are with our Catholic tradition of the mass and. I read a course with um, a really great Catholic. Oh, okay. Um, who was a part of. Okay. She often also talks a lot about that. Okay, great. And you're at the Barbara Davis Center? Okay, great. I'm actually in the adult endocrine uh, in the AOP building. In where? In the outpatient pavilion. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, nice. so if you if you want to ever join us, it's I open it to other people as well. Are you a chaplain yeah. or are you? A no, physician? I'm just a physician. Yeah, I'm just working with the group here. But. <laughs> <laughs> so. Got it. So, okay. uh, Lutfi? So, so yeah. just do Diana.Lutfi? Yeah, uh, Diana.Lutfi. Okay, yes. sounds good. Well, we'll yeah. get you on the list in case you ever want to come to our things. Definitely. Okay. Thank you. All right. That sounds good. Awesome. All right. Nice meeting you. I was literally just looking into groups and was just like, I know yeah. there's more of... Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we have different groups and there's, a, there's also a pro-life group on campus if that really excites you too, so... Oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're more than happy to have other people involved and whatever you're interested. So, all right, nice meeting you. Have a great one. You too. Bye. All right. right. So, um, anyway, so it's kind of that point when you have the Holy Spirit coming down on the dewfall and you have it on the gifts right there, right? The bread and wine. Remember when we just had that early before when they were preparing, it was like, product of the earth, work of human hands, right? That's our point in the Mass where we can also think about ourselves intimately at that moment saying, I need to be like this bread and wine. My life, my gifts, what I'm giving need to be transformed by that same spirit that's transforming that bread and wine literally into Jesus' body, blood, song, divinity. I need that spirit coming down at that same time transforming me because that's what I'm called to be. Holy Spirit is the one who brings about that communion, that union in the in the Blessed Trinity. He is the one who makes known who God is in my heart. You know, not just the propositional knowledge like I know that, you know, there's God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit and how do you know makes known kind of like that intimate knowledge that God himself has within himself. Kind of like you know the intimate knowledge that you know that we talk about marriage having 
it's not just the propositional knowledge, it's a, a deeper bond knowledge. And that's what the Holy Spirit brings about for us in our relationship with God. And so growing in the Holy Spirit, kind of how we do that, and there's a, a point in uh, St. Maria's book, The Way, that he talks about the Holy Spirit, saying, Get to know the Holy Spirit, the great stranger, on whom depends your sanctification. Don't forget you're a God's temple. The advocate is in the center of your soul. Listen to him and be docile to his inspiration. So that's what really the Holy Spirit is doing for us. As it's, we send the beginning, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak on his own voice saying, Hi, I'm the Holy Spirit. And by the way, this is what, you know. But he more inspires us upon the path of what we need to do. Okay, and so how do we kind of grow in the Holy Spirit in that sense? For obviously, it's going to be centered in prayer. Okay, because everything has to come back to our personal prayer life and understanding God and who God is. Okay, and probably the most important thing is to know that the Holy Spirit, obviously, in this age of the church, is the one who's at work. Okay, I mean, sure, God, the Father, and God, and the Son are sitting back with their feet up on the beach chairs upstairs in heaven sipping you know margaritas and watching down on earth and like good luck buddy mm-hmm. we got your back go get them right so yes they're active but i mean the holy spirit specifically is bringing about the actions of the blessed trinity in the world and so we have to think about our lives now in a whole different direction than just circumstance right because that's how we can go about our life like oh man you know why did I have to see that patient today? That guy is the most freaking annoying person on earth. Never listens to what I say, right? You know, doesn't take his medications and makes up lies about his blood sugars that they're all great and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, hunky-dory and then his A1C sucks. You know, mm-hmm. I'm tired of seeing this guy. I get nowhere anywhere. He never takes my nutrition advice, right? You know, right? We could just, like, be in the moment of our lives thinking about why this and why that and why this, you know, and not to say we can't ever question what's going on in our lives, because that's silly, right, you know, um, there, there are, we're going to find times in our life where we just, things don't make sense to us initially, okay, but we have to recognize that God is shaping the story of our lives with each moment for a purpose, and bringing us about to do something greater than what's going on and to see the greater good in what's going on. So, for instance, I mean, think about that mo- this moment you might remember in Acts where all of a sudden the Spirit tells Philip, go run up to that chariot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just runs up to this chariot. And he happens to hear, hear this court official from Egypt, this eunuch, reading and trying to figure out this Isaiah passage, right? I mean, just random happenstance, right? That doesn't seem like a good idea. Just... Just go run along. And then all of a sudden it turns into now he's getting baptized and who knows the eunuch will go back and bring his you know, experience of faith to his family and those people around there and spreads the faith, you know? Um, you know, or think about, I mean, like Ananias when he gets woken up by the Lord and says, hey, I want you to talk to that Saul guy. <laughs> uh, are you sure you want me to talk to that guy? It's like, like wants to kill us all. I don't think that's such a good idea, right? And then the Lord says, no, 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 this is my plan. Well, for Ananias, Ananias to do that, though, remember, the Holy Spirit has to be working in him. He might be hearing the words of Jesus talking to him, but for him to correspond to that grace, he needs to have Jesus' spirit within him, the Holy Spirit. And, you know, obviously Ananias coming to Paul, 
you know, probably not so sure about the situation, but okay, God told me to do it, so I better listen. And obviously transforming and giving us one of the greatest, you know, uh, uh, apostles and preachers that the world has ever known, right? Okay? And so, um, you know, we have to really start thinking more of our lives as not random circumstances of where we are, you know? Even the rough stuff, you know? Um, I mean, I think of something as crazy as, what if you, like, got cut off in traffic or something? Or, or say you, your n normal route where you go to school or something gets closed off, right? And you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be 10 minutes later. This sucks. Well, who knows? Maybe if that route hadn't been closed off and you'd taken that route, a guy would have come out and ran a red light and hit you and you'd be in the hospital, right? I mean, these, these things which we don't see now, which God will probably reveal to us later on, will have a deeper meaning and purpose. And so that's kind of the first thing, is knowing that the Holy Spirit is present and guiding us through every part of our lives, okay? And he doesn't take time off, okay? No vacation, right? The second thing is we have to obviously approach God with humility, okay? That virtue that allows us to see who we are as we really are, and then being able to receive that uh, um, God's power within us. So St. Paul has a very beautiful uh, discussion of his own weakness when he's approaching his own preaching. He says uh, in 1 Corinthians second chapter, I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my message and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of spirit and power. So your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on power of God. Okay, and so even St. Paul is admitting, I'm really not a, a bright guy, uh, I'm not really smart, I mean, uh, I don't think I can do this, right? I mean, kind of harkens back to Moses complaining when God was calling him at age 80 to go back to Egypt and try to, you know, bring the, the people out, right? And he's like, I'm not really great at speaking, God, you don't want me, send someone else, right? And so the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to think of ourselves as you need to have these certain attributes to do the will of God, okay? He wants us to recognize our weakness so that he can give us the power to do what we need to do in our lives, okay? Kind of reminds me of uh, my old pastor saying, and I might have said this before, but uh, he had a beautiful saying, like, God doesn't uh, call the equipped, he equips the called, right? So the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to give us the gifts and the power and the ability to do certain things in our lives. Um, and that kind of gets into um, the sense of, you know, when we're in our prayer, obviously the Holy Spirit is guiding us in our prayer. He's actually our, really our spiritual director. I don't know if you've ever had a, like a real person as a spiritual director, but really it should be the Holy Spirit who's directing us. I mean, he should be... The, the, the director you have should be hopefully being guided by the Spirit to help lead you in the right way. But ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit who should be directing us in what we're supposed to be doing. Um, and when we have that sense of the Holy Spirit in our prayer, He's going to lead us to something. He's going to lead us to be give ourselves as a greater genuine gift of self. I mean, that's the ultimate meaning of man. I mean, John Paul II really hearkens on this idea of genuine gift of self is the ultimate meaning of our lives to give ourselves you know and 
the Holy Spirit is going to move that because remember the Holy Spirit is the mutual giving of the Father and Son and so he communicates that desire to give to us and so when we draw on the Holy Spirit he's going to lead us in our life you know where we're going to be what type of work we're going to be doing you know who we should marry you know all these important things in our lives are going to be directed by that to be a genuine gift of self and we're going to recognize that it's not going to be easy there's going to be inconvenient demands on us right it's not you know the most convenient uh times always are things right you know I mean, I didn't sign up, you know, come to the Denver Guild thinking, oh boy, I can't wait to be president of the Denver Guild. And then just happened like, hey, Tom, we really need someone to take over as president. Would you be willing to do it, right? I'm like, okay, you know, I wasn't planning on this, but hey, it needs to be done, right? And so the Holy Spirit's always going to be sifting us to, to find more ways we can give of ourselves in that genuine gift. Um, and um, so, you know, this movement, uh, you know, in our, our prayer, um, not only is a communication of God's love for us, but then the Holy Spirit helps us to communicate that love back. And so if we go to Romans um, uh, uh, chapter 8, verse 26, he talks about this. Um, he says, in the, in the same way, the Spirit, too, comes to the aid of our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself intercedes with inexpressible groanings. And the one who searches hearts knows what is the intention of the Spirit, because it intercedes for the holy ones according to God's will. So the, the, the Spirit takes our poor, pathetic prayer, <laughs> right? That, you know, our distracted prayer, our our prayer that gets lost or we don't know what we're really asking for or maybe we're asking for something that's probably not ultimately good for us or something like that and he takes that and transforms it and gives it to God and so that's also kind of a reassuring thing for us you know like I have nothing I can really give to God right you know God has everything but God gives him himself to us so that we can then give that back to God right that's why, you know, Jesus coming to us in the Eucharist is a powerful thing, so that we can offer him back to the Father, right? Because he allows us to do that. I mean, just so generously, like, I know you can't give me anything great or anything, but I'm going to give you myself so that you then can give that back, right? And so, um, drawing on the Holy Spirit to give us search for that power and to lead us and direct us. And I'll kind of end with that interesting story about John Paul II. When he was about 11 or 12, he was complaining to his dad that he wasn't understanding math. He was struggling. So his dad told, taught him this, you know, the, the Vanny song, Two Spirit, Two Prayer, and said, you know, say this when you're struggling with different things and the Holy Spirit will help you. Well, he turned that into a daily prayer that he did the rest of his life. And then he would say some special prayers for each of the seven gifts after that. And um, even it spurred him on, he said, to write the encyclical uh, Dominion et Vivicatum, you know, which is the encyclical about the Holy Spirit that he wrote. Um, and so, um, you know, the Holy Spirit is... A person in the Trinity that we can then draw on the strength that we need, like the apostles did and the saints since that time, to bring about Christ's work in the world, God's work in the world. So, anyways, that's what I have. Any additional 
thoughts or our struggles maybe with mm. prayer or the Holy Spirit or I feel like I was just thinking about how um, like when I'm praying sometimes I like have like ADD and like let me think about Mary, let me think about the Father, 